Hello and welcome to this conversations episode of the Didicate podcast, where I chat with a special guest about all things Jesus and church. I'm delighted today to be joined by Nate Morganlock. Nate, welcome. Hello, Sam. It's good to see your face. Oh, it's, it's so good to see yours as well. And I'm mm-hmm. so excited that you're on this on this uh, podcast. Loads to chat through. We're going to be chatting about church. We're going to be chatting about story and storytelling. Nate, you're a graduate from Westminster Theological Seminary, if you didn't know, <laughs> and you're now the development director of the Speak Life team, which I'm sure listeners yeah, to right. this podcast will be familiar with. Oh, Nate, tell us a bit about yourself, mate. Uh, so I am a bloke from Stoke, grew up in Stoke-on-Trent, Christian family. Uh, the house was named Narnia. So um, <laughs> if you've ever wanted to visit Narnia, it's just off the M6 uh junction 15 well 16 maybe um yeah so i grew up in a christian family uh was uh thrilled to do that and uh moved to london when i was 18 to go to university and lived in london for about what 12 years or something like that so uh was at all souls langham place for a while um and then the all souls clubhouse uh Picked up a wife and a couple of kids and uh, <laughs> added those carriages to the train, moved to Bath, from Bath, moved to the States um, to go to Philly and uh, now in Eastbourne with Glenn Scrivener. So Fantastic. that's kind of it. Nice. Yeah. So we go back a little bit. We uh, we both worshipped, didn't we, at the uh, the clubhouse uh, in London. Uh, you you did the city scheme, didn't you, with Mark Prentice? Who's been I was on this show. I was one of the one of the first one, one of the first, first intake with uh, uh, with Tom Lowe. Oh, with Tom Lowe, he's also been yeah. on the podcast. Familiar names, of course he I, has. Yeah, of course. In fact, he was the first person I interviewed in one of these. So, legend. So you were the first, mm. one of the first. I was the last. The the city scheme you, stopped. Here they, we are, the Alpha and Omega. <laughs> oh man but i loved oh man i loved our time down in clubhouse it was it was a great it was a great time i actually lived in your old flat as well after after you left uh the basement the old basement flat was great except for the uh the the mice and the and the mold Mm, yeah sorry we didn't take those with us (laughs) (laughs) oh great stuff man so yeah we're going to be chatting about story storytelling uh a little bit later Mm -hmm. But Nate, the question I love to start each of these episodes with is this. What is church? Oh, it is a brilliant question because uh, recently I did a session for our interns on ecclesial narratology, which is basically, I was thinking a lot of the time when you look at stories and storytelling, people are like, oh, where's the Jesus figure? Like who, who's Jesus in this story? And, you know, do they do they die substitutionally, you know, to rescue people and then rise again? And so that's like, we're always looking for that. But I was saying, because the story of scripture is the story of sort of Christ coming to redeem his people, right? So he's coming for his church, that you can actually look at all sorts of stories and see examples of the church. Mm-hmm. So you're not just looking for Christ figures, you're looking for kind of a, a ecclesiastical kind of stand-ins sort of stuff so we go through like all of the well maybe not all of them but a load of the different images that the bible gives us for what the church is um and so you get you know it's the bride of christ so you know all the way from the beginning eve 
and Adam, you know, so Eve is the bride of uh, of Adam. Um, and then you've got, she's the mother of the living, right? That's her name. So the church yes. is the mother. So you look in any stories about mothers that they're mm -hmm. relevant. Uh, the church is the flock, the sheep of the pasture. So mm -hmm. stories about where someone's got to kind of, you know, shepherd a group of people uh, or a group of sheep. That's a kind of church image treasured possession that's another one um from was it exodus 19 mm -hmm. uh though the whole earth is mine you will be for me a treasured possession mm -hmm. so yeah i mean that just just our the vision of the church is the ch what isn't the, in, not what isn't the church but there is the church is such a cosmic institution right it's a cosmic character if you like, as the bride of Christ, that we're just, we're constant, and we're constantly surrounded by like, like false churches, like the idea of the, like the, the terrible mother who, who sort of forsakes her children, right? That is a kind of a false kind of vision of the church. Um, or in society, you know, just people trying to set up institutions that will, will gather together a group of people and, and, uh, and and shepherd them and yet because the shepherd isn't christ therefore it becomes a false a false church so um yeah it's quite a kind of conceptual response i suppose but um mm -hmm. yeah we've given all these vivid images of the church in scripture and i think nice. they're all really helpful nice yeah i love that and so like when we're reading the Bible, particularly the kind of the stories in the Old Testament, yeah, we're looking for, for Jesus and the types of Christ in those stories. But you want to say, like, mm -hmm. we're actually to look for the, the types of church as well. Like I'm thinking Hosea yeah, and that story, Song of Songs, etc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you're looking for the relationship between Christ and the church through yeah. the Old Testament. Sure. Um, and, you know, of course, like the people of Israel, you know, um, a nation. They don't become a nation until, um, of course, they're they're brought out of slavery in Egypt. But them as a people, as a tribe, or as a family, as they are, kind of earlier on in Genesis, you think, well, yeah, that's just that that's supposed to teach us what being the church is, mm. um, and give us, you know, usually like negative examples of how <laughs> the church behaves, because of course the church is always kind of wayward, but um yeah well our understanding of the church has definitely got to go back <laughs> back into the old testament if it doesn't do that we're not doing justice to the new testament church you know yeah, um, which is what like, Ephesians, what, right? exactly yeah yeah Ephesians five like this is a profound mystery but i'm talking about christ and the church and he goes back to um not just genesis three right which is where people often go for like oh here's an example of the the gospel in the old testament right the the serpent crusher who's going to come and crush the serpent's head he actually goes back to genesis 2 before sin even mm -hmm. enters the world and says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be right. united to his bride mm -hmm. so like, oh that's that's gospel in action in action not in action it's being enacted before even sins enter the world so oh, that yeah. one is uh a really fun one to dive into oh so good mm. man and just stuff in genesis too, like it's not good for the man to be alone and maybe even that image of god stuff as well where it's like okay what we need to create 
something that images us. It's got to be people, different people in in unity. Is there some mm-hmm. traction with those things as well when we're thinking about yeah. Jesus and church? Totally. And and one of the things I spent a long time looking at um, last this time last year was thinking about it was was the creation of Eve as kind of prototypical for the the romantic comedy of the whole of scripture right so you've got you've got that low tove right to use the hebrew right you've got the not good for the man to be alone so i will will make a helper suitable for him right now what is the next thing that the lord does he brings all the animals and you know adam gave the animals their names and whatever he named them that was their name but then it reiterates the initial problem, right? It was not good for a man to be alone. Therefore, the Lord brought him all these animals. And yet, no suitable helper was found. So it's like, now the problem feels like it's got worse. Like, oh, God tried this thing to bring the animals in. Oh, it's good. what we're going to do. So the God, Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And, and whilst he's sleeping, he takes one of his ribs and from this forms the woman, right? So then you you have this. Now, the man going into a deep sleep, is that a death? Well, of course, it's a kind of death. Mm-hmm. But then he's being broken in death. Yep. And then that broken side is being brought to him. And so Adam's first kind of words to Eve, you know, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He's basically saying this is my body broken for you to exist? Like literally you exist Eve because my body was broken for your very life. And so like, and that's, 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 that's Genesis two, not Genesis three. So you've got this beautiful, like creation of of the church story that's happening Mm -hmm. right there. Um, And yeah, I think I think I argue that it's actually the first real narrative in the Bible. Mm. So um, I think you can argue that, you know, let there be light is a kind of story in very kind of basic terms. You can look at yeah. the creation of, of uh, all things in Genesis one. But but if you're looking for like a, a classic story, like we know them, right. Mm. Uh, introduction, inciting incidents, right. There's a there's intention an obstacle you overcome the obstacle and then you end up with a happy ending or or a sad ending so yeah i i think there's there's the when you get that repetition of yet for adam no suitable helper was to be found you've got to think oh what is god doing in that apparent failure to find an animal suitable yeah think oh i mean it's just remarkable like what is that a, a a forerunner to? What are these animals kind of representing? Is it is it just is, is it the angels? Right? Are they kind of that the angelic realm was insufficient as the bride of Christ? Therefore, he needed human beings made in his image. Yeah, maybe you know. What do you think? There's a well, lot in I, that, isn't there? There's a there's a lot in there, and I'm loving it. And I'm just thinking, like, if we. Sometimes if it are oh, Genesis three, that's the first uh, the first time the gospel's uh, spoken of. Like actually, mm-hmm. if we've not seen and heard the gospel in Genesis two, we've missed one of our first chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but lo- absolutely, that just sense that um, you know, I often compare that story of Genesis two um, to other kind of mythological stories about 
um, why stories exist, right? So there's a, one about Anansi, the the Spider Man. Have you ever heard of that? No. What's that? It's like a it's like a West African mythology, and there's uh, Niame, the Sky God, right? And he has all the stories of the world, like locked ah. in a box under his throne. And then Anansi, the Spider Man. So that's Spider Man's real name. It's not Pete Parker or um, <laughs> uh, what's his other guy, Miles Morales. It's Anansi. And he says, I'm going to go and get the, the stories for the children of the earth. So he climbs up this web, goes into Naomi, the sky god's like palace, throne room. And he's like, I want you to give me the stories. And so then he's basically set this series of challenges, right? You've got to go and bring me Osebo the leopard with the terrible teeth. You've got to bring me like some hornets that sting like fire. You, like, and he's just laughing because he's given him these kind of Herculean tasks. Go and bring me these animals. And then once you've done that, I'll let you have the stories. So Anansi goes and does that, right? He goes and tricks all these. He's a trickster character, a bit like Loki, if you know the mm. like Marvel films and stuff. And he goes and tricks all these animals to getting into his, his web, and then he can take them up to the Sky God and eventually wow. get the stories. What's fascinating with that story is that Anansi is told by the Sky God, go and get the animals bring them to me and then i will give you stories right mm. what's the existence of stories in in according mm. to the bible it's that the lord god came to the man and said i will bring you the animals mm. they won't work out right mm. and in the telling of this story i will tell the first story which oh. is because it's the gospel yeah. all of the stories it's like the the kind of the seed that contains every narrative that we're kind of hoping to share. Oh. So just that comparison between Genesis two and uh, the creation of Eve, and then Anansi and the sky God as, as the origin story oh. for stories, right? What's the backstory for stories? It's just like, oh, I love that. I love that. And just like a little detour that I'm just thinking as you're talking, like, I think stories and identity, like how we identify ourselves and what story we think we're living in, uh, is so mm -hmm. intertwined, right? Given that that is like the first story in Genesis, as you say, like it, maybe you might even say a foundational story as to what it is to be human. Is there something mm -hmm. in that about like how we are therefore to identify ourselves? So like Adam, for example, it's like, who are you? Well, you're, you're, you're to be someone who lays down your life for this, for, for mm -hmm. another um, you know, in yeah. a way that points to the one who will lay his life down for his bride. Is there something in that? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think the story in a way is like it's a very trendy term at the moment. So it's very popular. And, you know, we all become very conscious of the power of stories and that, you know, people are constantly being told, oh, tell us your story. Mm. Right? You know, you've got something to sort of share. Tell us about your backstory. What what brings you here? And there's something important about that to recognize each other's humanity and what we've gone through. And there's something value about listening to each other's, you know, lives, you know, or life stories. And and something actually really great, and this is a kind of not so fashionable, but really ought to be done, is listening to old people tell stories of what what happened in years gone by and if you find like a great kind of saint of old 
and you ask them, you know, like that I think is a really interesting way for, you know, young church planters. Obviously that's kind of in many ways, the, the target audience for this podcast, go and find like the oldest Christians, you know, and get them to retell triumphs of the grace of Christ. I love that line yeah. in um, oh. church arise, right? And yeah. saints of old still lie in the way, retelling triumphs of his grace. You're like, oh, oh yeah, that's what so, we should yeah. do. So I think the 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 fact that we're in a, a a cultural moment, if you can use that phrase, in which the sharing of each other's stories is quite kind of fashionable. Hmm. It it points us to the fact that they're actually all woven together in the story of history, which is, is given to us in uh, from Genesis to revelation. So now in that you are not the central character, right? <laughs> You're not the protagonist of that story, but by virtue of being in the church, you are, you are the love interest. Right? Yes. <laughs> you are, um, you know, you're the one who's being sought after and who's been, who's being rescued um yeah. so yeah so like that sense of which like as we're reading the whole of the bible and reading all these stories and we're reading this big story we're learning our mm -hmm. story as church like in it mm -hmm. and so like num that means yeah. like the book of numbers has something to say to us as church partners like yeah, yeah acts is a church partner manual as many people say mm -hmm. numbers is yeah. as well song of songs is mm -hmm. as well because it's about yeah. that story of christ and the church that we yeah get to be a part of totally and what you've got to the challenge is that when you're a church you know involved in the leadership of churches that you then you look and you go ah moses right <laughs> he knows what is what i'm going through right moses because he had a bunch of grumbling you know people in greats who didn't want to be rescued and they had to wander out oh yeah it's like i'm like moses it's like well no, the story is not you and the church. The story yeah. is Christ and the church. Yes. That's the that's the the paradigm you've got to use to understand this this particular episode in the grand narrative. Yeah. Um and that you ought to see yourself in the in this, you know, in the sandals of the the complaining Israelites mm -hmm. rather than you know, oh, I'm the great Elijah, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. Like, I'm, I'm the prophets, you know, that actually it, it's, it's all prefiguring Christ and the church, not you as, yeah. you know, Pastor Sam or, you know, uh, so you go by Pastor Sam. What do you go by? I, I don't Whatever. actually like, <laughs> like one or two people called me like Father Sam. Like I've had that before, which is a bit strange. But uh, yeah. no, not Pastor Sam. <laughs> and I, if I was called Pastor Sam, I'd have to have like a picture of me and Sue Ann with like glowing white okay. teeth on our, our church website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should. You should. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> but I love, just like something you were saying before, like we're in this, we're in this culture where everyone's like, as you said, like tell us your story. Like, and mm. again, that whole thing about identity, because we've got to create our own stories um, mm -hmm. we then have to kind of create our own identities as well. 
but like what we're saying here is that actually as we come come to the scriptures as we as we meet jesus we get kind of caught up in his, we become part of his story and actually mm-hmm. rather than lose ourselves uh we actually find ourselves as part of that yeah i think that kind of mm-hmm. comes out in and maybe this is straying into something i wanted to talk about later but like in church worship like i think one thing that struck me over the last few years is just how how church is about like for me um like a foretaste of the new creation mm-hmm. and so you know faithful churches are those who are kind of looking ahead to to what we will become and in the power of the spirit kind of becoming that in the here and now and mm-hmm. so much of our jesus does that is through the worship practices of the church like sometimes we can think mm. worship is more about what we do for god but i think it's more about what god does to us and when you step yeah. back and look at the worship practices of the church like so much of it is just telling and enacting stories like when mm-hmm. you think of like the liturgy as a whole like well good liturgies should be kind of telling the gospel story and um, yeah, baptism yeah. communion communion is just telling the story again and again preaching and mm. we can on some of this uh, a little bit yeah. later yeah any any comments on that any thoughts on so on that? yeah i think i think it's the theater of salvation that's basically what oh. you'll come into you oh. you'll come into to kind of watch and you know clearly sort of catholics and and orthodox uh christians have much more of a sense of this and you know they can be you know um They've got their own sort of areas where they might be lacking, but certainly this the idea that as you go to worship, as you gather on a Sunday, you are going to take in the story of the gospel again. You're yeah. going to kind of observe as as the the gospel is enacted. And you know, clearly we've got biblical mandate for that because of the whole tabernacle thing. Yeah. You know where you know let's do the jesus cosplay as dress up as the high priest and kind of and and play out the role of jesus right yeah in the kind of little uh you know like nativity level form. <laughs> yeah i mean they're yes. using gold and silver and bronze and stuff but but yeah. you think i mean that's one of the, i was preaching on various christmas carol services and thinking like the nativity what every single year we're going to do a nativity play. We're going to act out the incarnation of the word of God. It's like, yeah, of course we're going to do that because as human beings, we live in stories and therefore we need to kind of act them out um, to remember them and to remind each other of the power of them. And so when we go to church on a Sunday morning, the liturgy is designed in such a way to take you through the the story of salvation the story of what christ has done for us mm-hmm. um and yeah there, there are clearly you know specifically ordained sacraments that were given in baptism and the lord's supper which which jesus has told us like this is what you ought to do this is what you should do so that you remember what story you're part of um but certainly the the shape and structure of each of each service ought to to reflect the story that we're part of um nice. and then the the rhythms then become it becomes very obvious like we know what happens next right yeah. and so we don't we don't forget uh, the gospel nice 
and, and just on that, I mean, you're like constantly thinking about how to tell the story of the gospel in new and fresh ways. You've like you've been involved in projects before. Mm-hmm. I think of like Life Explored, and obviously with Speak Life now. Yeah. Like Sunday by Sunday, we, we come and we we participate in this in this liturgy, this kind of order of service, which should reflect the shape of the gospel. And we we do the same things week by week. Like sometimes I get people who come to me and and, and perhaps say. Oh, why do we do the same things again and again and again? Like, actually, yeah, doesn't yeah. that lose its power? Like, what would you mm. say, like, to me, uh, and, and perhaps even to, to, to that sort of person, like, should we be thinking, actually, no, we just want to repeat the same things again and again and again, because mm. there's power in repetition and, and just telling that same story? Or should we be looking to be tell st- this gospel story in fresh ways every week? Or is there a combination of the mm. two? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's really good. I think the there's the question of um, formation, right? To to what extent should our kind of church practices shape who we are as yeah. people, and to what extent should we uh, should we shape them because they're a, kind of the expression of our devotion and our adoration of Jesus. Um, I think there's we we probably in most of the churches we're part of and and the typical church plant by the very nature of the fact that it's a plant are going to um want to make it about our expression here's here's us mm. as a people how are we all feeling this week you know what's going on with us right. um what do we what do we want to say um and it, it, it's very much church is this place for expression. I think there is, you know, there is a sense of that absolutely in, in scripture. However, it is also a place of formation that mm-hmm. you are being, you are being shaped by this experience and by being in, in the community of faith, you're, you're yeah. being molded uh, in increasing likeness into Christ and, and for our children, right? What do we, what do we want for them? We want, and they love repetition, right? One of the things that children, mm. particularly young children want to do is like, again, again, that was like the line from right. Teletubbies because that's what kids want. They want to do the same things again. And in lots of ways, um, our kind of uh, familiarity or, or kind of contempt for the familiar, right? Isn't, isn't caused by, the sense that we are um more mature and, and grown up it's actually because we've we've lost our sense of childish or, mm. or childlikeness mm. so i think chesterton's got a brilliant bit in this on in orthodoxy have you got that book it, like, i have got the book and he, yeah. he does this thing where it's like why would god just want the sun to come up every morning right mm. Like just oh same again. <laughs> oh, we're gonna do that again, are we? Oh, we're gonna do the seasons again, are we? Oh, we're doing that thing again. But there's actually if you are if you are truly at peace and 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 patient and and thrilled by the goodness of the sun coming up every morning, it's not in any way boring. Mm. Right? It's it's the most nice. wonderful thing. And and so I think a lot of our church practices, there is a freshness that comes from it being said, uh, maybe 
in a different accent or by a different person this week <laughs> or whatever mm. else it is. Sure. Um, we are told to write, you know, to have new songs that we kind of sing to the Lord. You know, there is there is a sense of iterative kind of like we're constantly doing the same but different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think we we can often overlook the formative power of of liturgies and of of older forms of worship. Yeah. So um, then maybe there's a retrieval project to be done, and maybe I don't know. I don't know what life is like in in church plants at the moment i've not had a lot of experience of them myself mm-hmm. but um i think you could you can you you're gonna need a liturgy right mm-hmm. you can't do right. have, not have nothing right yep. something's got to come next <laughs> yeah yeah and giving people the, the sense of uh of comfort that can come from you know those saying those words that you know so well yeah, that's that's so good, man. I think like perhaps the church planting. One thing I've noticed that there can be this sense in which, particularly in our kind of current cultural moment, if you like, craves um, entertainment, um, new things. That actually mm-hmm. try to pander to that, but actually maybe to kind of actually look at scripture and look to the how the mm. church has worshipped throughout the centuries. That there is something powerful to be learned about just committing to the ordinary predictable patterns and practices mm-hmm. because that as we repeat those um expecting to meet with the living god through those things that that's yeah. how we're, we're changed like i remember i was yeah. doing a talk with some students like i think it was probably a couple of years back now where it's like trying to prove uh, the importance of liturgy from mr tumble which i think you would appreciate mm. <laughs> i'm not sure how like well it went down did you have a like, spotty back yeah, I should have done. That might have improved the uh, the, the point, but uh, <laughs> but you know, it's it is interesting. I've like obviously since having little kids, just been watching more of the the children's shows, and it's just mm. like the same thing week by week, and they love yeah. it. And it gets yeah. to the point where like my like two year old, and even when they were one, like repeating phrases that have been yeah. said, and uh, then you'd hear it not just when they're watching the screen, but outside of, the, mm. of that context as well, and. You know, I, I think there is something of that when it comes to, to church liturgy that, like, we come to a place where this order and obviously freedom within that order, and we can come to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But, like, we're, we're God's at work through these predictable practices and patterns as He's telling us His story as we're enacting His stories. And that's how we're changed. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of outside of those gathered worship contexts that the, the, the story that we're being told and like mm-hmm. t- gives expression in yeah. lots of different creative ways, right? Yeah. No, I was going to say lots of the stuff on CBBS or whatever people do. I mean, lots of it isn't very good, but uh, sure. there's something about preschool programming, right? Which is intensely catechetical, right? right. To use a word, <laughs> yeah. um, right? We, yeah. you know, catechesis is not something that most churches in the uk would practice with their children or you know even the kind of adult kind of church members but it has been a practice of the church since its inauguration right Mm. that we we respond with a form of words to the questions right you just learn by rote you learn those those things and then you know them right you know Mm. them by heart and we're so kind of I think anxious about a kind of 
dead orthodoxy or a kind of mindless repetition. Oh, this mm. is sort of meaningless because we want it to be, oh, it's got to be authentic. I've got to really right. mean what I'm saying all the time. You think, well, maybe, yeah, you, maybe you do, but you also need to know the stuff. Yeah. And if you know the stuff, you can, you can reflect on that wherever you are and wherever you go, because you know it by heart. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, if you ask people, you know, obviously music does a great job at helping things to stick, you know, for mm. us. Um, but yeah, I know the theme songs from like every children's TV show I probably ever yeah. used to watch <laughs> because, <laughs> because it was the same and you couldn't yeah. skip forward like you can now, but um, yeah, there was, there's something that's comforting about that repetition and that mm. helps it to really stick. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally uh, singing Arthur in my Arthur suit. That's probably, <laughs> is that before your time? That is oh, before after, after, Sorry, after your time, maybe. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, after my that's time. not a great theme song either, actually. But, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I was thinking just you were saying, like, you're absolutely right. There are those problems about, like, robotic repetition or, or mindless mm. repetition, etc. But I think that your, your point earlier about being thrilled by the Lord, like, really mm. speaks into that. But, like, actually... I think again, it it comes back to what story is filling us and are we being shaped by? Because Mm -hmm. if we're not being filled by and and shaped by the story of the gospel and the story of Mm -hmm. Christ and his love for his his self-sacrificial love for his bride, then we are being formed by another story uh, in the world, right? Completely. So it's kind of church liturgy and worship and and all those things and ways in which we're telling and enacting the stories kind of pushing back against that right yeah and we there's no neutral place right it's not like there's an option out you can't opt out of 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 living inside of a story or living understanding yourself as part of a story Mm. um yeah we are you know it's a horrible way to put it but we're all human beings are storytellers and we are story dwellers right we can't escape that the Mm. question is what's the story what is the story jack and ori right that's right. The, the fundamental question is you know the world is not just a place of 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 bits right it, it, oh, the universe is just a big bag of bits and you've got to try and label all the little bits it's like no the universe is a is a is a is a all the world's a stage right it's a place of action it's a place where things happen where people want things and people get them or they don't get them and they face obstacles and as the church we have the the revealed truth of what this story is given to us in the scriptures Mm -hmm. and it is the it's unimprovable right no one's been able to tell a greater story um than the 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 story of christ because you know the stakes are are as big as they get right it's it's he is the one who reigns in highest heaven and he comes down to sort of the lowest depths to meet and confront evil right the and and then to to be raised up again right therefore god exalted him to the highest place so you've got this the narrative with the with the greatest possible scope and i mean mcu marvel films are becoming increasingly 
tragic as they can't do anything with it right and they had infinity war right you're like oh infinity war uh it's like wow okay infinite like that's incredible oh wow i did what you're gonna do like um yeah it's an infinity war it's like oh well you can't get bigger than that can you it's like yeah well um (laughs) and yeah, what is what are the things that are insatiable and, and truly infinite? Well, mm. um, it, it's not the MCU. Mm. Um, I mean, the greed of Disney to just keep churning out these yeah, films dude. and stuff. Like, um, uh, yeah, so I, I think think that we've all got to work out what's the story we're in. What yeah. what are we? What is this place? And what's mm. happening? And where's it going? You know, these are fundamental questions for all people, whoever they yeah. are. Amen to that. I think one thing that I've, I've said on this podcast before, but I think I think to me, I'm noticing a trend of people who are pretty infrequent and irregular when it comes to like church gatherings, church worship. Uh, I've mm. said it before in this, but I had this uh, vicar uh, from London. He came to our theological college and he was just like the most committed Christians in London go to church every other week. That was just his take, but I was like, "Yeah, I mean that. I see that." Yeah. Um, and you know, just want to really encourage people. I think like gather with the people of God to hear the story, mm-hmm. to enact mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. Because if not, like the one, I mean, we're going to miss out. You know, your church yeah. family is going to miss out on you not being there. But also, like, you're gonna if you if you're not gathering to hear that story and yeah. enact that story, you're gonna be shaped by the the stories yeah. of the world. Yeah. And you've got to be, you've got to be convinced as a minister, as a church leader, you have to be convinced that you have something greater to give these people when they arrive. Yeah. Yeah. That, that what you are, you know, selling is worth, you know, it's worth the squeeze, right? Like Mm -hmm. the, it come because I think there's an awful lot of, guys who are incredibly passionate about ministry and they're really like they're very committed to you know having these programs and having these events and and geeing people up to come but it it feels it feels kind of vampiric it Mm. feels like well we need the blood we've got to you know we need the the blood we've got to feast on the you know these these attendees that's what keeps us going like no 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 it's not what's going to keep you going what's going to keep you going is that the the beauty and the glory the goodness of the gospel and that you then you're offering it from a a place of this stuff's amazing you are gonna love this do you mean um and that that model and you can't you can you know that's a very supply side kind of approach you can think about the need right you can think about the sort of the demand and you can you can go out and say right we need to go because there are hurting people out there Mm -hmm. and there are you know people who are who've turned turned to broken systems who are out there and we want to go out to them um, and I think that for a lot of church planters, that's quite a, a, a their heart is is we want to go out, we want to go and 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 reach people. Um, but very quickly they can then start to think, oh, but it's about 
it's about getting the numbers on a Sunday or it's right. about making sure that people are committed enough to this thing because we're mm -hmm. committed. Sure. Say, so, no, it, once you've set that up, you've got to, you have to be convinced that the best place, the church is for people with nowhere better to go. Right. Right. <clears throat> because there is nowhere better to go. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and I think as, that's the thing that sustains people in the face of, you know, the challenges of, of planting churches and, and ministering to others. That's what's going to keep you going. Ah, I'm into that. That's so good. That's so, so helpful. I mean, we'll begin to wind things up, man, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah just thinking it, it can be so tempting, particularly as a church leader in a, in a numbers world where, you sort of buy into that well we're making spectators and getting bums on seats and whatnot but no we're we're making disciples and i think just some of our reflects on on the back of off the back of this conversation is uh just that power of story in discipleship um mm -hmm. and yeah i remember someone writing that uh christian discipleship is not just about ethics it's about eschatology and so it's like it's giving people a vision of like the resurrected christ and the future that he's bringing mm -hmm. Uh, that we're, we're seeing in part now that point I made earlier about church mm. being a kind of a foretaste and a glimpse of the new creation, mm. but you want a, a story worth suffering for um, mm. and, and a savior worth just, you know, just gathering uh, to be with, 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 and, and with his yeah. people. But like, just as a kind of a final question, like what, what would you say to kind of church planters who are thinking about this issue of story and storytelling and kind of planning Sunday worship Maybe they're yeah. preaching, their liturgy, discipleship, that sort of stuff. Anything yeah. that you'd, you'd want to say as kind of closing remarks? Um, I, I, this might sound take a bit of unpacking, but I think you should be writing a holiday Bible club every year, <laughs> right? Now, you know, <laughs> when we were at Clubhouse, that was something that I was doing, you know. So, but I think that taught me more than anything else I've done as a ministry kind of practice, it taught me more than anything else I've done about the, the, the multifaceted gospel that we have, right? Because if your starting point is how do we tell the gospel again this year in this context, right? So we do what we did them in, it was based in the jungle. There was one in a newspaper office. There was one, on a boat there was one in a medieval castle yeah. and what that basically trained me to do was to say what what is the what aspect of the gospel do i really want the gospel story do i really want to to share with these kids and then what what form would that same story shape take if it were in this particular context. So um, thinking we had one, which was like the medieval castle one, or the, like the, the original one we did was called heading West. It was like a Western, like a yeah. Cowboys theme thing. And it's trying to think, so what are the, like, if you've got a cowboy genre, right? How do you tell a story? that communicates like a, the, the shape of the gospel in the genre of the cowboys, right? It's probably set in like 1850s, 1880s, like America. Mm. And it's got, you've got all these kind of 
spacious scenes and and the deserts and the uh, people who are traveling like west that's literally what you know the history of america is <laughs> it's just a bunch of people just heading to the west coast and like what does that lend itself to in terms of telling a gospel story and and what can you do with that and that stretches you i think in ways that are really helpful for deepening your appreciation of of the goodness of the gospel and for far too many i think people they would if you said to them give me the heart of the gospel give me like the the sort of your your kind of basic blueprint for what you think the gospel is they would do something like two ways to live and that would be kind of all they could say you know just kind of go this is this is the the story you're like well it, it is there's a part of it which is you know christ as the king right and the 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 kingdom has been usurped right and adam claims the crown for himself and because he steals the throne but okay so now you've got a story about a, a monarchy right you want to tell that story um and then you know how does how does the, the throne get reclaimed for the for the the kingdom of light like what what needs to happen for this to happen well maybe you know a king needs to become a pauper kind of thing or prince needs to step down kind of stuff so what are the images and to go back to what i was saying right at the beginning what are the images of christ and the church were given in scripture and how do those present themselves in fresh ways to our congregation in order to share the old story of the gospel so the the biblical imagery is in is incredibly intentional right? it's yes. really intentional it's yeah. not an accident and i think a lot of people feel that the image is this kind of husk and then you get rid of that and then you just want the kernel inside or it's you know it's just a delivery system mm -hmm. and to say no what if the image is itself yeah. trying to sh to help you get a better understanding of the gospel yeah. not to be done away with at the end but to say this is a divinely given picture of what what christ is doing through the church um mm. and for the church so I, and that's where i you know would 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 go and i think holiday bible clubs are such a brilliant opportunity for a church to embrace a biblical image of what what the, the church does and and it's great because there's loads of fun to do as well and like it needs a whole team of people right it, it generates uh excitement because oh what are you doing oh we're building a you know i'm literally sitting in a space station right now because we wanted to make a film set in a space station because we felt that there was something about the gospel that might be best expressed on an abandoned spaceship like well all right how does that work well you know uh maybe we'll release it one day and people can oh, find out but can't wait. <laughs> God, it's got it, it there's so much given to us like really fertile material in scripture to 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 proclaim jesus and and the church powerfully uh so yeah let's, get, oh, let's i love do that it. let's do it i love that so good and i think there's so many applications there for 
our preaching, which we haven't really got into as well. Oh, no, so it's no. too much, so much yeah. to talk about in there, yeah, yeah. like our evangelism, um, you know, and uh, church life. That's just so good, man. Yeah. Love that. Love that we came mm. full circle as well. Hey, Nate, I know you've got to get off soon. Man, I've loved this conversation. I'm going good. to listen to it Me back. Too. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I had many other questions, but maybe another time. But mate, thank you so much for giving me time. Uh, really it's all right. It. Thank you for having me fantastic and uh, yeah for anyone listening hope you've enjoyed this and uh, you can find nate on the on the speak life podcast do you do that every week nate no i don't know how regularly it happens but the speak life podcast the other one i do is one called popcorn parenting which is about right, yes. like movies mythology and the messiah so we take a, a sort of family film each episode and we sort of dive into it and look at the um the the mythos that's there and how it relates to uh, the gospel. Nice. So you can check Nate out there as well. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening to the Didicate podcast. Do check out our past episodes and look out for new episodes in the near future. See ya.